Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Good morning, Mosaic. Oh, it is amazing to see you guys. I, I love every week that we come back. It's almost like Christmas every week, you know, because Christmas you come and you see people you haven't seen for a long time. And it's like that as we continue to come back every week and I see new faces and I love that and live stream. We're so glad you're joining us this morning. We'll make some noise for live stream. So glad you're there. What I love too is the fact that there are a lot of people who've been joining on live stream and they've been there for like three months, six months, a year. I don't know how long it's been, but but they've been there, and they too are starting to come. So it's an exciting time here at Mosaic Church. We, we're also learning that there are more people joining us on, uh, on live stream. We, we've got people now that we know are in Uganda. We've, got, we've been talking about the one from Malaysia that's actually hosting live stream. And um, it's just an exciting time. Our friends from Italy join in oftentimes. So we are so thankful that even during this crazy, crazy pandemic time, that, that there are, are ways for us to connect here at Mosaic and so many exciting things going on. But I, I have to tell you, and I'm sure you're the same way, I will be so excited when all of this is history, right? Will you be excited? Yeah, I mean, we will be excited when this is in the history books and we can look back and learn from it, but it's done and over. And history is kind of actually what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. I want to share some history with you. I mean, not like history class. I mean, like who's the fourth president and the vice president? I mean, that's boring. I mean, you can look that up on Wikipedia, right? I mean, don't tell your history teachers, students, if you um, don't tell them I said that. Um, But anyway, um, you you know, history is interesting. A couple years ago, actually, it's been several years ago now, I was, I went, we, my family went to Washington, D.C., and we were there in Ford's Theater. I'm looking at all the stuff about Abraham Lincoln and the assassination, an awful thing, but it was interesting, and my kids are like, Dad, come on, let's go, and I'm trying to read everything, and they're like, we're so bored, let's go, and yeah, right there they are. They know I'm talking about them. <laughs> Um, and that's exactly what they said. And so some of you know that recently we, um, we took a, an extended time, an extended vacation, sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. And we, we went to Europe for about four weeks. And, and I'm so thankful that we had that opportunity. And, and, and I'm so thankful for some of you for making that possible. I'm, uh, Rick and, and Sherry and, and Rodney, we had baptism. Normally, I take care of most of that. But they jumped in, they took care of it, 
a lot of our connection team leaders and connection team, they were all over it while I was gone. I offloaded all my responsibilities to the staff, and it was actually all in place when I came back. So uh, that was a really good thing, but I am so appreciate the time that we had to, to go over to Europe, particularly to Italy, we were in Italy, in Rome, and if you're in Rome, you have to go to the Vatican because there is so much good history there. And we had this tour guide, and I was really shocked at what she told us about. She told us, she seemed to be a really good Catholic person, but she told us about all the popes. And, and what she talked to us about was the fact, uh, she told us about the pope's nieces and nephews. Now, what I mean by that is, she, you know, if you're a priest or a pope in the Catholic tradition, um, they're supposed to be celibate, right? But there were some really good popes, and she explained to us that there were some not-so-good popes, and they had nieces and nephews. You know, uh, you know what I mean, right? Okay, but the history, the history was fascinating. But we had a tour guide. And she kept me moving and kept my children happy. And so we were, we were out of there really fast. But history is intriguing. And there's a lot of times that if you don't know the history that's present in the scriptures, you're going to miss what, what's being communicated through the scriptures. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage of scripture, and I want to fill you in on some of the history, and, and you're going to have to connect some dots, and I'm going to help you connect the dots, but just stay with me, and we'll get through all of it. But I want to look in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 11, and here's what it says. It says, while they were listening to this, he, that's Jesus, went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So let me give you just a little context, a little history here. So Jesus has just gone to Jericho and he's met this little short guy, you know, that climbed this tree and, and they interacted and, and Zacchaeus has had this encounter with Jesus that radically changes his life, all right? Because that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. You have a radical change in your life. But now Jesus is leaving this area of Jericho, and he's headed to Jerusalem. Now, what's going to happen when he gets to Jerusalem is he is going to become, he is going to enter Jerusalem as the king, the king of the Jews. Not like the king who's been put in place there by the emperor in Rome who's overseeing this whole area, the Roman world, but he is going to walk into Jerusalem as the king. You remember, we, we celebrate the triumphal entry. We celebrate the, um, the, the Palm Sunday as Jesus goes into Jerusalem and people are waving palm branches and they're throwing them and they're, they're celebrating. It's, like, it's almost like a big parade. And, um, and so that's where he's headed. So at this point in this story, in this parable, he's somewhere between Jericho and Jerusalem. And, and so he goes on and he tells this parable to his disciples. He said in verse 12, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. 
His subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant. You, uh, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you put my money, why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, at least, sorry, I added that, at least I could have collected it with interest. Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. So they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here in front of me and kill them. Those enemies, are you guys okay with that? Are you okay with that? I mean, are there times that, that you read the scriptures and you just think, well, I mean, Jesus said it. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. If, when you read something like this, you should, you should kind of take note, I, absolutely. And, and what you should ask is, does what is being communicated in the scriptures reflect the heart and the nature of God, especially in the New Testament? Does what you read reflect the heart and the nature of God? And if the answer is no, then you need to begin to dig a little deeper and understand what is being said. What's going on here? Now, just so you know, I want to, to there, there are actually two things that, that Jesus is trying to communicate. The first one's rather simple. You could probably tell me what it is, but I'm going to tell you instead. Um, the first one is simply, uh, and it, it's actually a question. We, we should walk away with a question from Jesus. How are you investing what has been deposited in you? Got it? How are you investing what has been deposited in you? And, and, and this is not new. As you go back and look at Luke, even Luke chapter 8, you remember in Luke chapter 8, um, the farmer's sowing seeds, and he throws some of the seeds in the thorny ground. He throws some of the seeds into the rocky ground, and then some of the seeds falls into the good terreno. Okay, you don't know that word. It's an Italian word, but my friends in Italy that I got to speak with a couple of weeks ago, they know that word, good terreno, good soil. And what happens? What happens is it produces a crop. That's the goal. Even in Matthew chapter 25, you remember that, that passage where, the famous passage where it says, well done, 
good and faithful servant. That's the passage where the, the servant has, has produced a harvest and, and created something in, you know, in respect to the investment that's been deposited in him. So that point is pretty easy to decipher, right? But what about this other thing? This bring them here and kill them in front of me. Like, I have a problem with that. I need to understand why Jesus is saying that. What Jesus is tapping into the history or the culture or what's going on in that world that he's living in. And, and he's telling a story that would be familiar to their ears in, in an effort to say something to his disciples. He's telling a story of a man named Archelaus. Archelaus was one of the sons of Herod the Great, who was essentially the king of most of all that area of Israel. And Archelaus was in line as one of the three sons to inherit part of Herod the Great's kingdom. So when Herod the Great would die, Archelaus would inherit some of that kingdom. Now, he was in line to inherit that portion of Jericho and Jerusalem, that area called Judea. So eventually, Herod the Great dies. And if you know anything about Herod, he was not a good king. He was actually the one, when Jesus was born, who commissioned those individuals to go kill all these babies because he had heard something was happening. And, and Herod was an, was an evil king. But Archelaus was worse. And, and so when Herod died, what Archelaus was going to do was head off to Rome to where the uh, emperor, Caesar Augustus, was going to crown him and make him king. He was going to authenticate his kingship, and then he would go back and rule. But in, that, in, that, in the history, a delegation from this area of Judea get ahead of Archelaus, and they get to Rome before he does. And they ask, some these leaders ask to have a time with Caesar Augustus. And they say, look, I mean, Herod was bad enough, but you're going to make this guy Archelaus king over us? It's going to be really bad for us. Please, do not do this. So Caesar Augustus, being the good um, politician that he was also, he said, okay, I won't make him king. And so they, they were good. They were satisfied. They leave. Um, Archelaus gets there, and he says, well, I'm not going to make you king, but I'm going to make you the ruler over this whole Judean area. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. He still has control and authority over all of these people. And so Archelaus goes back to Judea, and what does he do? He says, bring my enemies here in front of me and kill every single one of them. And it was so bad that even Caesar Augustus, the leader of one of the most brutal empires in that area in, in time, took note of what he was doing. And, and so Caesar Augustus could not respond. He removes Archelaus, sends him to France, and leaves him there, retires him there, pretty much in luxury, but he leaves them there uh, to finish out his days. And he puts a governor in place 
in Judea. Now, for all of you history people, you know that governor's name was what? Right. Somebody said it. Right. Somebody said it. Pontius Pilate. We're talking about the days of Jesus. Pontius Pilate becomes the governor of that area. All right. So there are two things that Jesus wants to do with this parable. He wants to, number one, communicate that we have a responsibility to invest in others what God has deposited in us. And he wanted to lead his disciples to a point that they declare about this, that in this parable, what an awful king. Because Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's getting ready to be inaugurated and, and, and celebrated as the king of the Jews, but not like the king that's already there. And he wants his disciples to, to know he's not that kind of king because they think he is. They think he's going to go and overthrow the government and he's going to be the king and everything's going to be great for them. But he's not going to overthrow the government. He's not the kind of king that's going to, to kill people in front of him. He's the kind of king that's going to die for the people. And he wants them to know what kind of king he's going to be. So, a little more backstory here. In this story, the king gives essentially all of his subjects ten minas, right? All right. He says he gave ten servants, ten minas, but ten in that time meant all because I've got ten fingers on my hands, I've got ten toes on my feet, and when you get the ten, that's, that's all, okay? So the idea is he gives all of his servants ten minas. Now, a mina, one mina, was worth about a hundred days' wages for an average worker. So essentially, all these people were given in this parable a thousand days' wages. And, and what Jesus is trying to communicate, this is a very generous amount. Jesus is saying, in every one of my followers, I have invested in you greatly and equally. I have invested in you greatly and equally. So all of that is great. All that's great, but what does it mean? And what is it calling me to do? Because that's what we're interested in, right? What does it mean and what is it calling me to do? Uh, now, you remember Luke. Luke does a great job of compiling his gospel. Luke says, I want to write an orderly account. I want to go and chronologically gather up all this information and share all these stories that Jesus told so you'll have a record of them. But you realize that Luke leaves out all the after that information. It's not like Jesus told this parable and said, you guys figure it out. I'm going on to Jerusalem and, and leaves him as if it's some kind of riddle. All the way to Jerusalem, he's explaining to them what it is he's trying to communicate in this parable and shed a little light on exactly what he wants them to do. Um, so, we weren't there, and Luke didn't include all the after that information. So, 
How can we fill in the gaps a little bit and understand all that he was trying to communicate? We can do that by asking the question, is there anywhere else in Scripture that, that we can look to shed a little bit of light on what was being communicated here and on how exactly I can take what the king, what God has invested in me and produce a return? There sure is. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And, and the reason we know this is because these two stories line up. And I, I need you to, to clue into this because you'll see how they line up. But, but what you also, just a little more history. So Luke, who wrote this gospel, is now moving through the Roman world with Paul, who writes the letter to the, the Ephesians, the letter to Ephesus. And we also know that Paul wrote this letter as a letter that would be circulated among all the churches. But Luke and Paul are now together um, as, a, as a team. And, and what we see, um, a lot of what we see in Luke's gospel is reflective in what Paul is, is teaching to all the new churches. And so Luke and Paul have joined forces. They are co-laborers, or you might even think of them as collaborators as they move through starting new churches, strengthening the churches. And so a lot of what Paul is doing is he's giving some after that information about what Luke has recorded. So Ephesians chapter 4, Paul dips into this culture and he's describing or he's kind of painting a picture in the minds of his readers of a soon-to-be king who is going off to receive his crown, all right? So you, you start to see how this is connecting. Let me, let me show you this in the scriptures. Um, the king is, is going off to receive his inheritance, and he does in this scripture what every king does. Now, now a person becomes king because they, they gather um, a lot of commitment from the people by going off and, and over throwing their enemies, and when they go overthrow their enemies, they plunder their enemies, and essentially, they gather up all their goods. And so, this king in this story is going off. He's, he's, he's been victorious in all his battles. He's taken gold and silver. That's, that's what they would do. They would bring back the gold and silver. They would melt it down, and then they would make little coins, and on the little coins, they would put the head and the name of the king on there. And so when the king is going off to be uh, crowned, he's walking along and he's throwing out these coins. It's just a way to, to get their commitment and get their allegiance. He's giving them the spoils of his victories. And, um, and, and so Paul references this understanding here in Ephesians chapter 4. But one thing you have to understand at the outset is that these gifts that they are receiving are from Christ. Here, here it is in verse, in verse 7, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace, a gift that we did not deserve, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, that's the NIV version, but the message does a little better of, 
of illustrating it. Here, here's what it says in the message. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed a high mountain, he captured the enemy and seized the plunder, and he hands it out as gifts to his people. And he goes on in verse 9. He says, what does... What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So in other words, Jesus was in heaven. He descends to the earth. He is crucified. He descends even further into the grave. He is resurrected. He overcomes the enemy. He, he, has, he is victorious over his enemy. And what he gives are the abilities to do his ministries because now he has ascended back into heaven. And what he gives us in gifts are the abilities to do his ministry. What are those gifts? Verse 11. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And skip ahead a little bit. Until we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what's the bottom line there? The bottom line is simply this. The body of Christ takes on the ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus has ascended into heaven, the body of Christ, this is what Paul is communicating to the the churches then, and, and what he's still communicating to us now. The body of Christ takes on the ministry of Jesus. So here's the question you should be asking yourself. Which one of those gifts do I have? Which one of those gifts do I have? Unless you're like the third servant from the story in Luke. Unless you're like the third, story, the third servant in Luke who approached everything and was defined by fear. You remember? Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept them laid away in a piece of cloth. Why? Because I was afraid. His approach to what had been invested or been deposited in him was an approach of fear. Maybe it was scarcity mentality. Maybe it was the, the mentality that, that I only have so much time, and if I give that time away, I won't have enough. So I'm going to hold on to it because there's not enough of it. Or maybe it was the fear of, of doing something new or stepping out and, 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 and doing something he'd never been, that he'd never done before and risking. So he never invests what has been deposited in him. Or, or, or maybe when you look at this passage, you think, 
I don't know. I know who I am, and I know what, where I've been and what I've done, and, and I don't know if I have one of these gifts. Well, what the Scripture communicates to us and what it says that Jesus has done for all of us is he's given us, he's given you at least one of these gifts. So the real question is, how are you going to invest in others what has been deposited in you? How are you going to invest in the ministry? What are you going to be, what are you going to do with what's been given to you? Do, do you see the picture here? He's talking about the body of Christ. Now, everybody has what? Has a couple eyes. Mine are covered with my glasses. Um, has a couple eyes, has a nose, has a chin, got two hands, got two arms, a mouth, got two feet, two legs. What happens? What does it look like if a leg doesn't do its part? Looks kind of like this, right? See what I mean? It's not the way it's supposed to work. How are you investing in what God has deposited in you? How are you investing in others what God has deposited in you in the ministry of Jesus? We obviously want to help with that here at Mosaic because we believe that God has placed us here and has given us this body. And when I say us, I don't mean us like just the staff. I mean us like this body of people. He's given us this body of Christ and called us to be involved in a ministry that we call Mosaic Church. So how can you help? How can you be a part of the ministry of Jesus here at Mosaic Church? Or, or maybe you're on live stream. How can you be a part of the ministry of Mosaic Church even on live stream? Can you, can, can you lead a community group? Can you lead a small group? Can you help invest in kids? So that they grow spiritually. Can you, I don't know, can you operate a camera and capture all of the things that happen here so that we can share that with the world? Can you be a part of our parking team? I, I don't know, the, the guys that hang out out there, the ladies that hang out out there that keep everybody safe in the parking lot and keep your car safe too, right? Can, can you do that? Live stream, I don't want to leave you out. Could you host? Could you host the, the live stream production that we do every week? Can, can you invest in the lives of teenagers? We, we're, we're building this space out. And, and I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but our staff has kind of decreased. And there's still an immense amount of things to do. How could you be a part of that? Can you call people and check in on them during the week? Are you an apostle? Are you one who leads people? Are you a prophet? Are you one that hears from God? And, and what you hear, you share with others, and you encourage others 
with what you hear? Are you one who is an evangelist that, that takes a person's story and connects it to God's story and they have an encounter with Jesus and they're radically changed and begin a relationship with him? Are you a pastor? Are you one who enjoys spending time with just a smaller group of people and helping them to grow spiritually? Or maybe you're a teacher, someone who likes to unfold the scriptures so that others can understand clearly what's being communicated. Sort of, sort of like what I did this morning. Some of you love to do that. We would love for you to be an effective part of this body that we call Mosaic Church. We would like, it's an exciting time at Mosaic Church. Yes, I know that COVID is in infesting our world, infecting our world, but it's causing the church to look at the way we do things and, and to do things a little differently. And it's really exciting, all of the things and opportunities that we have. Mike, Sean, Naeem, Ashley, Kristen, we would love to help you find your place here at Mosaic Church. And, and, and a lot of times we refer to, to each one of us, Pastor Mike or Pastor Kristen or Pastor Ashley uh, or, or Pastor, even Pastor Sean. I mean, he was ordained before he came to us, Pastor Naeem. We just say pastor because we want you to know who to come to talk to, okay? I mean, it's a little more than that, obviously. But, but we want you to know that we want to help you find your place in ministry to be a part of what Jesus wants to do with you. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to do one of two things. Maybe you already know what it is that God wants you to do in the ministry here at Mosaic Church. I just named about five different people that you can talk to. And, and come talk with us. We'll help you get connected. Come talk with me after the service today. I'll help you get connected that you can use what God has invested in you, what God has deposited in you, that you can invest that in others. Or maybe some of you are saying, you know what? I'm not quite sure what my gift is. I need a little bit of time. Well, I want to speak kind of prophetically because I just happen to know that in the near future, you're going to have another opportunity, maybe a little more formal opportunity to jump into the ministry that's taking place here at Mosaic Church. So you take, take a, a week or two, process through what is the gift that God has deposited in you that he's calling you to invest in others. And you'll have an opportunity a little later to, to jump in, all right? So that's, what, that's your to-do. That's simple enough, right? I hope so. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that, that you gave your life for us. And not only did you just give your life for us, you implanted in us things and equipped us to do ministry in your absence, even though you are with each one of us always. So Father, this morning, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to understand the gift or the gifts that you have put in us and that you would give us the courage to step into those gifts 
as we invest in the lives of those who need to be invested in. So in the same way that someone is invested in us, they can invest in others. God, help us as Mosaic Church to continue to advance your kingdom and move your kingdom forward to be the kind of kingdom that you want it to be. A kingdom that's filled with love and grace. A kingdom that's filled with gifts and people who can move mountains because their faith is in you. Thank you, Father for your love, for your grace. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.